everybody. We're about to get to my episode with Chris Morphew uh, to discuss his forthcoming book. I did want to let you know we had a little bit of some technical difficulties uh, connecting all the way to Australia. It cut out a few times, um, and so there's some breaks in here, but hopefully you'll get the bulk of the conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, today, I have Chris Morphew joining me on the podcast. Chris, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. And I already made a mistake. I should have asked you this before I started recording, but uh, am I pronouncing your last name right? Morphew? Yeah, you nailed it, which is um, fantastic and rare. So thank you. <laughs> Great. Glad, glad I got it. Um, Chris is the author of a forthcoming book, uh, why, who, who am I and why do I matter? It's a part of a series that's released through the good book company. And we'll uh, dip into those in just a minute. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell our listeners where you're joining us from, um, very early, uh, for you. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, just past 5am here in Sydney, Australia, but, um, I hear this podcast is worth getting up for. So <laughs> well, I don't know who out. told you that, but I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so Chris, did you, um, tell us it, did you grow up in Sydney? Um, what do you do? Give us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've uh, spent most of my life living in Sydney. I lived out in regional New South Wales, which is the state that Sydney is in, for those of your listeners who might not know that. Um, and that was because my dad was a parish minister. He was uh, out in a tiny little country Presbyterian church for a while there. But I spent most of my life and all of my adult life living in Sydney. Um, and so at the moment, I go to... Uh, a Presbyterian Church called Abbotsford Presbyterian Church, which is uh, the place that I've, I've been going since I was about 14 years old. Um, and I'm the one of the chaplains and Christian studies teachers at PLC, the Presbyterian Ladies College in Sydney. So um, I have the privilege of sharing the gospel with uh, primary school. So I'm just trying to think what, so like kindergarten to year six in, in, Sydney, which is like elementary, I have like five to 12 year olds is who I teach okay. at school. Um, and then I help run the youth group at Abbotsford Presbyterian. So um, working with high schoolers there as well. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a dream job. I had a, a very strange um, uh, alternative job path crop up for me last week. And it was really nice to be able to instantly say, no, not interested. I'm, I feel like I'm squarely where God wants me. So wow. yeah, it's, I, I feel like I have the best job in the world. So it's nice wow. to be able to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're teaching during the week at five uh, to 12 year olds, but then also helping with the, the youth group and you said getting mm -hmm. to, to high school as well. So that's, you've got the spectrum of the ages and all the issues going on <laughs> with each yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and the really nice thing is a lot of the, the youth kids that I um, am hanging out with on a Friday night are kids that I've known since they were like much younger. And so it makes me feel extremely old sometimes, but um, to be able to follow them through and to still, you know, in God's kindness to have an impact on their lives, you know, even after they are up and out of the year groups that I usually teach is, is a real privilege. Yeah. Uh, that's that's excellent and and already I, i'd love to hear just a little bit about the, the youth ministry um you said kind of on a friday night um you know just give us a picture of okay what, what is youth ministry like over in australia from kind of weekly programs um what, what what all do you guys do in your youth ministry 
Yeah, so Sydney is, um, so I was over in the US a few years ago and the the cities that felt the most like Sydney were um, places like a Seattle or like, I mean, New York's massive and kind of one of a kind, but it's um, in terms of the the diversity, the kind of political leanings, the um, the kind of general culture, we'd we'd be, I guess, something a bit more like a, a coastal city in the states. Um, and so, our youth ministry, like we've got a a I go, I'm part of a smallish church and a, a smallish youth group. So we've probably got about 150 on a Sunday. And then our youth group would be somewhere in the, around the 25 mark. So it's, you know, it's not a huge program, but it's a place where everybody knows everybody. And so we run a um, two hour Friday night youth program, which is like the kind of uh, the the central hub of our youth stuff that we do. And, then we have um, some stuff for our youth on a Sunday as part of the church service, but then also we're um, just starting to think about like, what does it look like to do mentoring better? What does it look like to um, basically meet each student where they're at and move them along to the next bit in their journey? So we have a lot of kids who are not, who haven't grown up in the church, who are there because they their friends have brought them who or who are just there for, I mean, there are lots of, like a large proportion of my youth group, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here, but why are you here? Like, I, <laughs> and I can't explain it by anything other than God is doing something in their lives. Because if you look at the, the kind of makeup of our youth group, it is it's quite diverse and quite, it's got a, it's got a number of, like quite a lot of kids who I'm, who are just like, you, you are not the typical youth group child, but mm -hmm. praise God you're here and we'll, we'll keep on sharing the gospel with you and, and just trusting the spirit to do the rest. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And to hear you say, yeah, the Lord must be at work. I'm thinking as you're saying that, yeah, for, for them to show up on a Friday night. Um, I just think in our context, <clears throat> if we tried to do something on a Friday night, um, typically most wouldn't show up. I mean, if it was kind of a, a fun program um, with little teaching, maybe, and I'm not trying to, you know, paint students in this area in a, in a bad light, but just thinking of, of just differences there, uh, the, the night of the week and what uh, was wondering if it was kind of more outreach focused or, or whatever. And so that's, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is an interesting challenge trying to do both, you know, trying to, uh, to do outreach, for the newcomer and for the person that doesn't have all of that kind of assumed knowledge about the Bible and about what Christianity even is. Like, I think for, for some of our youth, we're just a soft place to land on a Friday night. Like a lot of our youth are, are really just going through it in their everyday lives. And so I think it's just a, a place where they, feel like it's just this little kind of oasis of calm in um otherwise i mean it's tumultuous enough being a teenager for anybody but some of some of our youth are, have particularly um just challenging circumstances and so it's a real privilege to get alongside them but then there's also you know our kids who they're in church every sunday with us and they're um 
you know, they, they've grown up with this stuff. And so the challenge for them is, are you here because your parents want you to be here or are you here because this is yours? Hmm. And, and so trying to balance all of that, I, if any of your listeners have fabulous miracle solutions for me, please email them through. I'd love to know, but I'm just, you know, I feel like the team and I are, are muddling our way through by God's grace. And despite all of the ways that we mess it up weekly, God keeps doing strange and unexpected things. So it's exciting to just sit back and witness. Amen to that. And that, that's an awesome picture that you, you painted that it's kind of this oasis, this refuge in a sense for these students to, to come and to, to join in and to be a part of. All right. So um, we have no idea exactly where we were in the conversation for those listening. Uh, we did have some technical difficulties, which I was going to say at the beginning, Chris, it's kind of amazing um, that you're in Australia and I'm all the way in Mississippi and we're having this, this conversation that sometimes I think as Christians, we just kind of assume uh, technology, it's, it's, you know, it's going to work. It's something that we just mm. kind of become accustomed to, but it's, it's kind of an amazing thing. And I think every now and then when it cuts out, um, <laughs> we're reminded of that. So um, as we were saying, Chris is just waking up. It's 5 a.m. and we're about to dip into apologetics and have that conversation. Well, your internet's waking up too. Um, so um, absolutely. Look, I've had the coffee and my internet has not. So I feel like I'm <laughs> one up on my connection. Um, it is like it's it's I one thought that I did have as we were jumping on here is like, praise the Lord, this is my only Zoom for today because we've just come out of a 100 plus day COVID lockdown. Mm. Um, so just back to school after four months online. And um, wow. and so Zoom has been a way of life for me for the last little while and a way of life that I'm happy to, you know, I'm grateful for it still. Our church has just started a, um, a twice a week morning prayer Zoom call where everyone just jumps on for 15 minutes, wherever they are. And we, you know, start the day together in prayer. And so it's, mm. it's, um, you know, it's, I'm, it's that weird ambivalence that I have towards the technology. I'm like, this is great. I'm so glad that we're doing less of it at the same time, oh, yeah. because nothing beats real life. Oh, yeah. But blessing and a curse at the same time. And mm -hmm. so that, that is crazy. You're just coming out of a 100 day lockdown. Yeah, okay. yeah. So where I'm, I'm back into my second full week of teaching school face to face after four months of online learning, which is its own unique set of challenges. Oh, and actually, um, our youth group is back to real in-person youth group uh, this Friday for the first time after four months of Zoom youth group, which, uh, uh, I mean, we could do a whole podcast series on Zoom youth group, but please let us Absolutely. Know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I guarantee many of our listeners are, are nodding in agreement of this. That's just way too long. Well, I'm glad you guys are, are back in person and uh, I hope you guys oh, so can, exciting. Yeah, enjoy that. Um, well, listen, as, as I said, I'm having you on to talk about specifically a forthcoming book through the Good Book Company that they shared with me entitled who am I and why do I matter? Mm. And it's, uh, that's released, I think sometime in March, March is that next year, yeah. Okay. March of 2022, but it's part of a series, uh, entitled the big question series and, uh, three other books in that series. Uh, why does God let bad things happen? Uh, what happens when we die? How do we know that Christianity is real? Um, Chris, I'd love to, to just kind of take us back and tell us 
you know, how did your, uh, how did the series begin? How did you connect with the good book company with the, this, this series? Uh, I'd love to hear kind of the origins of this. Sure. So I find it really challenging to find material, like to find books that I feel happy to uh, pass out to kids at school or at youth group. And there's a lot out there, but it's really hard to sift through. And I think particularly, um, you know, in my context in Australia, like I think America is, is, has produced so much great stuff. Um, but a lot of it is, um, you know, it's written out of an American context and it's written for an American context. And so some of it doesn't land exactly, you know, where, a a child in Australia is sitting. So part of it was just um, creating something um, that was for, I mean, I I think it, I hope it translates internationally, but I think I, like I was saying before, Sydney is very much in that kind of post-Christian context. And so um, I am, when I walk into my classroom, I'm not, looking at 25 church kids I'm looking you know I'm looking out and this kid's got atheist parents and this kid's got Muslim parents and this kid's got Christian parents and this kid's got um you know another branch of Christian parents and you know it's it's extremely diverse and so I I wanted to write resources that don't assume anything and uh so Rachel Jones my wonderful editor at Good Book is um she's in the editorial process she's the advocate for the the church kid the kid that has grown up in the church and i'm the advocate for the the secular kid who's grown up with none of this and so hopefully by the time the finished book comes out we've created something that will meet both of those kids where they're at and so um so i connected by with good book by accident almost so i my first book with them was called best news ever and it's a 100 day devotional guide that steps through mark verse by verse and um that again was just something that i i was looking for something for a a, you know a 10 year old kid who wants to read the bible for the first time but maybe doesn't know where to start and maybe hasn't doesn't have a church support network that is going to help them through that and so um I had that idea for that resource. I pitched it to the good book company and to my surprise and delight, they were like, sure, yeah, we'll do this. Um, and so that came out at the end of 2019. And then when we were talking about what to do next, this was the thing that we landed on, like a series of short um, little apologetics books. And I, um, my background is actually in fiction writing. So I um, have a young adult series called The Phoenix Files. And I have a couple of other um, book series that I wrote, but I got my start ghostwriting for this series called Zach Power, which is um, basically James Bond for seven-year-olds. And this was all oh, wow. through um, a, like a mainstream secular publishing company. And so that's where I got my start. And I basically pitched to them. So Zach Power was books for kids who don't love to read, um, like for the reluctant reader. And they were, um, it's funny, like they were shiny and foiled and exactly the dimensions of one of these big questions books, because I essentially pitched to them, what if we did a series like that, but for apologetics? 
um, you know, a, a series of short, you know, you could read them in a couple of hours, um, books that tackled the questions that kids are asking about the faith and try to do it in a way that was accessible to children who have grown up with it and are like looking down the barrel of like, well, do I believe this because my parents believe it or do I actually want to take it on? And for the kid who's like, well, I learned about this at school or I learned about this from my friend or like, you know, I have this, this weird friend that goes to church. Why, why do you, why do you do that? And hopefully that's a resource that, you know, our church kids can pass on to their friends and help to explain the faith in a way that's accessible to someone with maybe not a whole lot of background. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's exciting. Just to hear some of that background. I, I shared some of this with you uh, pre-recording, but um, I haven't gotten to read uh, the first three books um, because they were just flying off the shelves at our summer conference. We, we had them for those who know RYM and get to our student conferences. We had these on the book table, but I mean, students were just snatching them up. And so I did not get a, a chance to read them, but um, definitely as I've jumped into your, your forthcoming one, uh, just, yeah, yeah, your writing style, it's, it's so accessible. And it's so interesting how you take these, I mean, very complex questions, uh, but just kind of walk the, the reader along. And and really, I mean, these are aimed at, I'm trying to think exactly what you said, nine to 13 year olds, I think is what the series says. Um, yeah, very accessible. Um, and so to, to just looking at these first three, um, I guess, how did you settle on these questions? I mean, obviously these are popular questions. There's a lot, but Okay, why does God let the bad things happen? Uh, what happens when we die? How do we know Christianity is really true? Um, did, did it take some time to kind of whittle down to these three questions as kind of the first series? And how do you settle on those? Yeah, well, we have, we, you know, brainstormed a list of eight or 10 different titles, but each of these books is basically the kind of the greatest hits of all of my answers to these difficult questions that uh, my students raised, you know, across youth group and, and school. And so um, there are so many different questions that kids ask, but in the end, they fall into these categories. And I think honestly, they're the questions that we're all asking, you know, like I, the series is marketed at nine to 13s because, um, you know, you've got to market it at somebody, but I always, I think of them as like nine plus, And I hope that an adult who picks them up will, uh, you know, enjoy them too. And I recently, my, my 97 year old grandmother, um, was in hospital and things were looking a little bit sketchy. And my dad, um, would visit her in hospital each day and play her a bit of what happens when we die. And so apparently the age range stretches up pretty high and praise God she's out of hospital and she's doing great. But That's great. Um, it was just such this beautiful moment getting to share um, my writing with, with my grandmother in that, in that way. So yeah, they're, they're the, um, they're, it could have been, there were like probably 10 that, we could have picked from, but these felt like the, the kind of most pressing and the ones that, um, that I was getting asked the most often. So hopefully that translates into the titles that are um, most helpful, but I'm also, I'm excited about expanding out further and, and God willing, we'll add a few more before the series is done. Oh yeah. And, and as I was reading this, uh, who am I and why do I matter? The, the forthcoming one that's in, in the spring, 
uh, it's just, it's very, uh, like I said, accessible, but it's just, it's, I mean, the, the books are, are very short. Like you said, you could, you could read them, you know, in a, in a couple of hours, but um, it, what's surprising to me is again, you're dealing with, I mean, deep theology with these deep truths, but you just walk the reader along. And as I said, as you kind of just are doing it in a practical way, um, you know, questions are kind of coming up in your mind. Oh yeah. Well, what about this? But it's kind of like you're <laughs> one step out of the reader. You're kind of leading them in that way. And then you raise this question and then you, you deal with it. And so, I, I mean, easily you could put these into the hands of an unbeliever as well. These are not just for, for church. It's very practical and, you know, an unbeliever picking this up and wrestling with these questions. And I see that as uh, yeah, a helpful tool people can use to put in the hands of unbelievers. So um, talk to us a little bit about that, how you were trying to write, you know, not just for uh, the Christians and you kind of described your classroom setting. So I'm sure that played mm. into that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it, I have gone back and read sections of this, uh, of the of the four books to some of my classes. And it was really pleasing to hit these moments where we'd get to the end of the chapter and, um, you know, a, a child would put their hand up and say, well, but Mr. Morphew, like, in that case, like, what about this though? And I'd say, well, that's interesting because that's the title of the next chapter. So why don't we keep reading? <laughs> um, and so I, and, and that makes sense because these books were written out of the context of the relentless questioning of mm -hmm. children and young people. You know, um, one of the things that I love about ministry to kids and youth is they will just let you know what they're thinking. They will let you know what they uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be as reserved or as polite as an adult will sometimes be. You'll hear what they're really thinking. And if you give them an answer and they think it doesn't hold up, they'll be like, yeah, but what about this smart guy? And so <laughs> I've got to, and so the, the kind of chains of questions and answers in the books come from real life interactions, you know? And so it's not that I've, that I'm some kind of genius who can anticipate every reader's question. It's just that I've, I've had these conversations over and over again over the last decade or so. And I can anticipate what comes next because it is uh, what has come next so often in the conversations that yeah. I've had. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that translates to other people's context. You know, first and foremost, I write these books, Maybe this sounds kind of selfish, but first and foremost, I write these books so that when I have, like when a student at school is is grappling with one of these issues, I can say, well, you know, have a read of this and see what you think. And, you know, as I say that, I realize I've become that obnoxious lecturer who gives his own text as the class <laughs> text for the semester. But um, hopefully it's only on an interest basis, not just because I'm trying to sell more copies because I always give them away. I don't, I'm not setting up a little side business at school. <laughs> No, that, the boss is <laughs> no that, that's great. Cause, Cause it is, I mean, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, okay, this is someone who's been in the, the trenches, so to speak with, with, with this age group or with these students. Um, because you, mm -hmm. yeah, you can just tell, I mean, it, it reads in that way. And so Chris, I, I know we're, we're kind of getting a little close to time. Um, but again, continuing to point people to this, this, this forthcoming book. I mean, also telling everybody, Hey, go out right now and get, get the first three in the series. And then you can go ahead and pre-order who am I and why do I matter? Um, with this forthcoming title, I guess going back to, you know, 
why this question next? I mean, as I read it, I did think of, you know, just the the statistics on anxiety and depression, how they're just mm. on the rise. And we've continued to hear that. And I mean, Zoom has definitely um, played a factor in some of that as well. We've heard some of those those studies. And I just think of, wow, this book definitely would, would speak to some of that. And so just, again, giving us a peek behind the scenes of why this question next. So this is one that I have been super passionate about writing like this. I think from the very beginning, there are the more obvious questions about, you know, I've done the suffering book. I've done the the kind of evidence for the resurrection book. I've done the the heaven and hell and life after death book. Um, but this one is, I feel like, so Tim Keller wrote The Reason for God and then he wrote another book called Making Sense of God, which is kind of, in his view, the prequel, because the um, the first book, The Reason for God, it's a brilliant book. Like, it, it's incredible, but he realized it didn't, for his audience, start far back enough, you know, be because before you even uh, care about like what the Bible says happens when you die or what the Bible says about your suffering. You need to know that the questions of God and faith and all of that matter at all. And so he kind of wrote the second book as a way of saying, well, here's why you should even care about everything I have to say in the first book. And for me, the so many of the issues that um, – people in our culture in general, but particularly the upcoming generation are dealing with come down to issues of identity, you know, and, and at my school and at my youth group, I have people who are just trying to figure out who they are on so many levels. And, you know, um, as you kind of alluded to the, the stats on depression, anxiety, all of those things are, are through the roof. Um, particularly with this upcoming generation and you throw in a global pandemic and mm. that certainly doesn't help matters. And then I think our culture in an effort to, in some senses, affirm everybody and to, um, and, and to say that like any identity that you want is an identity that you can have. And in, you know, in a, in an effort to be inclusive and in an effort to be, to kind of welcome everybody has left this generation, I fear, a bit untethered because built into you can be anyone you want to be is the question like, so why aren't you? You know, you can do anything, so come on. And so um, I, I talk to a lot of kids who are um, working through their their sexuality their gender identity their uh you know these core fundamental things and you know one of the things that um was thrown out when we were like brainstorming the list is do i write the book about um you know jesus and lgbtq identities um and i felt like i wasn't the person to write that book um because I, you know, I am an uncomplicatedly, you know, heterosexual white male. And so I feel like there are enough of us already speaking into that space. And I'm, <laughs> I'm interested in hearing more from believers who are, 
you know, for whom that is like that identity question is personal rather than just, you know, um, and so I feel like that's where I would be heading. So like, for instance, David Bennett has written this fantastic book, A War of Loves. And so he's a, um, a same-sex attracted Christian from here in Australia who writes about, it's, a, it's basically a memoir of his uh, experience of coming to faith and figuring out what that means. And, and so I'll leave that kind of stuff to people like that because I feel like, you know, uh, the voice of experience is better than the voice of, well, from the outside, here's what I think. Um, and so, but where I thought I could hopefully be of service was by taking that step back. Sorry. I realize this is a long-winded answer no, this and is saying, um, and saying, well, behind all of those questions is like this bigger question of who am I, where do I fit? And I think a lot of what our youth are grappling with is, the, a large part of the world's answer is, well, you decide whatever you want. And I think for some people, maybe that feels liberating at first, but I think uh, like in the end, it's like, well, it's, it's information overload, it's choice overload. And it's, and it's, if I get to make it all up, well, is that not just made up? Hmm. And so to kind of have a look back to what the Bible says, kind of upstream from all of those questions, which is, you are made and loved by the God of the universe. You are here on purpose. You are part of an incredible plan that God has for the renewal of all things. And by faith in Jesus, you can be welcomed home into your truest, deepest, realist identity. And from that, you can walk around in freedom because you know who you are, who you are made to be, and just how deeply loved you are. You can walk out into life from a place of fullness rather than a place of emptiness that you need to try and fill up on your own. I think once you get that stuff locked in, everything else falls into place a lot more easily. And I think a big part of um, where the church, I think has in a lot of ways missed a trick on a lot of these kind of downstream issues about, um, sexuality and gender and all of these things is none of the, the Christian view of those things makes any sense unless you accept a bunch of prerequisite things about who God is and who we are. And so I wanted to write the book about that so that like, while I'm not tackling all of these other like extremely complicated issues head on, I'm hopefully giving our youth a toolkit that is the kind of here are the general principles about who God says you are. Here's how you can step into the identity that God has given you. And once you do that, well, then we can talk about all of these other things. But the primary thing is, who are you in Jesus? Who is he calling you? Like, what, what is the identity that he is calling you home into? And then the rest is, is secondary, I think, to that. So, yeah. No, that, that's helpful. And I mean, like you do in, in the book as well, even, you know, to the world, it sounds like, okay, Christianity is being rigid and is um, not giving us true freedom, but you, you mm. graciously walk the reader through how it's actually enslaving to, mm. to, to, to not, you know, quote unquote, buy into this um, philosophy, but because, you know, when you say, yes, you, you can be anything, it actually ends up enslaving us even more. And like you said, I mean, uh, you, you get into feelings and one day we can feel one way, one day we can feel the mm. next. And, um, I think you have, you know, uh, 
section where you talk about, you know, a five-year-old eating uh, cat food. Um, at some point, that seemed like a really good idea, mm-hmm. but then <laughs> five years later, it doesn't. And so, um, anyway, it's just a, it's a very again accessible book, a very helpful book. I want to point all of our listeners again. Uh, the book is "Who Am I and Why Do I Matter." You can go ahead and pre-order that now. Um, I know it's at the Good Book Company. I would assume Amazon has it for pre-order, mm-hmm. um, but then go back and, and get these three others as well. Um, it's definitely something. I, I was thinking, you know, as a, someone who's taught youth before and has been in student ministry for over 20 years, I mean, I, I could have taught this material in a large group setting. I definitely could do it in small group and then one-to-one discipleship. You can use it in all of those ways. So I want to encourage parents as well as youth workers to, to pick this up. Um, Chris, I, I do want to say it again. Uh, you got up at, at five in the morning uh, to be <laughs> a part of this. And so I really appreciate it, especially with all the technical issues we had i think we got to get a whole episode together so thank you for your work thank you for your time to come on this morning oh thank you so much for having me it's been fun come and buy without money oh come and feast without